This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. In a quick moment, we will be joined by Steve Wiltfong. He's the Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports. We're going to break down the big news that dropped this past weekend. Five-star cornerback Jason Marshall committing to the Florida Gators. He also caught up with Nolan Rucci, a five-star offensive tackle who visited Penn State on his own with his parents and took a look around the campus. And we will also break down what Notre Dame is getting in new commits, Prince Colley and offensive lineman Rocco Spindler. Remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. If you leave a five-star Apple podcast review with your recruiting question, you've got a chance to get it answered by our team of analysts, including Steve Wiltfong. Make sure you get those questions in. Before we get to Steve, let's begin with the kickoff. Get ready for some football, folks. It's finally here. Week one in the state of Utah. That's right. The state of Utah is kicking football off this Thursday and this Friday. The offseason has been a long one. We didn't know if this week would ever come, but the state of Utah is getting ready, and they've been preparing for several weeks now uh, during summer camps and practices and scrimmages, and they're actually finally going to play some football. It's going to be very interesting to monitor how – everything happens right how everything goes down in the state of Utah and in those games how everything moves I feel like a lot of states around the country especially the ones that are getting close to resuming football games between opposing high schools how the state of Utah is able to play during a pandemic Uh, obviously the numbers haven't been as bad in the state as other places especially in the region I know the the state of California the state of Arizona both had been labeled as hot spots at at certain points during the the offseason but I, I feel like the other states will definitely try to look to see how things are working there and from a recruiting standpoint it's going to give college coaches another piece of the puzzle when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to evaluating players. That's the thing that coaches have been missing for so long. They weren't able to go out to showcases or camps or practices, but now there will be live football at last for them to evaluate, scout, and start to recruit some new athletes. Joining us now on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, it's the return of the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, Steve Wiltfong. Steve, how are you doing, sir? What's going on, man? It's early morning, for 7.18 in the morning right now for, for Blair Angulo out there in California. Yeah, well, obviously, it, it's it's worthwhile to, to get up and, and beat the roosters uh, out of bed and, and talk some recruiting with you. Um, obviously, a lot to discuss. There was a lot of big noise over the weekend, including... The headliner, five-star Jason Marshall committing to Florida. And and we were talking before we, we hit record here that this had the feel 
of a recruitment that you would typically see come down to the wire in a traditional signing day in February, Wednesday, or the early signing period in December. I mean, this had so many twists and turns, and it would qualify maybe as the surprise of the 2021 recruiting cycle so far. In silent commits. I mean, and I think that there's some other guys that um, you could you could say uh, were surprise commits. You know, Miami being on the right side of one with James Williams, the 24-7 sports crystal ball was all Georgia and, and James Williams commits to Miami in July. And, and, and there were some there were some rumblings that Miami uh, was, was making a move with James Williams, uh, but the crystal ball never moved. It was all with Georgia. When he popped with the Canes, uh, Jason Marshall, the crystal ball had moved from Florida all the way to Miami last weekend. And rightfully so, because Miami um, was clearly the team to beat last Saturday for, for Jason Marshall. Now, that may have just been for a hiccup or, or, or what have you, but I don't know if everyone was on the same page uh, in the Marshall camp uh, with Miami. Uh, I was told this morning, Monday morning, uh, um, that uh, Jason Marshall actually told Florida he was coming on Thursday. Um, and then he was supposed to announce on Saturday – uh, and that there might have even been some nerves there because uh, he didn't he didn't go public Saturday, but he obviously went public Sunday and and uh, surprised me because I thought Alabama if, if it wasn't going to be Miami, which I thought the, I thought it was maybe Alabama slowing things down with, with with Jason Marshall and they were certainly talking to him as well, the number three cornerback uh, in, in the land. Uh, but it turns out he, he he went to the program that he favored the most th- through the cycle. And uh, the relationships with, you know, Coach Mullen and Torian Gray and, and Brian Johnson and the Gator staff, uh, those were ones he trusts uh, and values. And, and then another source says that uh, Jason really looked up to C.J. Henderson, um, who, uh, you know, was, had a great career at Florida and, and, and was able to communicate his experiences in Gainesville. Florida, they have two of the – they have an exciting cornerback duo coming into the season, Blair and Kair Elam, who uh, – uh, had a promising freshman year this year, picked off three passes. And then Marco Wilson, uh, Jason Marshall, be able to come in and push those guys in, in year one. And, and, and uh, um, the way that cornerback uh, room is shaping up for Florida, it's got a chance to be pretty special here moving forward. And Jason Marshall, five-star cornerback in the 24-7 sports composite, the number two player at his position, a top 30 prospect according to our rankings and the composite rankings. So Florida getting a big one there. And obviously, given the fact that recruitments have been moving at an accelerated pace during this pandemic, we've seen a record number of commitments up to this point. It leaves the the door open, right, for possible decommitments and possible flips down the road uh, as things continue to develop. Jason Marshall, given the fact that you mentioned Florida, you mentioned Miami, you mentioned Alabama, all the other programs that were after his signature, do you feel like this one could be over, or 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 there or there, or could there be maybe a, another twist or turn before ink meets paper? Well, I think those other programs are going to maintain their relationship with them. Um, but Florida is the school that has led uh, for most of this recruitment. And I know last week I said that I thought that they were third um, and that Alabama uh, was going to be the runner up to Miami. Uh, but um, it, it's still the program that uh, had his attention or perceived attention for, for much of the process. I don't, I don't want to put him already on the, 
the watch list for for decommitting. But um, and, and with that, I think part of the the decommitment um, storyline, Blair, is going to be: Can kids take visits? Will they be able to utilize officials? And and, and I don't see a scenario right now where kids are going to be able to take visits down the road. So with that, I think it's going to be hard for programs to flip kids generally getting kids on campus for visits or secret visits or official visits. That, that was always an element and uh, a layer of recruiting that I don't know if we're going to even have. And so flips may be harder to come by actually uh, th- this cycle uh, than, than in previous years, because you're not getting kids on your own campus and getting 48 hours with them uninterrupted uh, to, you know, make your pitch uh, on why this place is better. Certainly we're going to have some, uh, but I, I think when you take out the element of those visits, uh, these, uh, I'm actually in the camp where I think a lot of these commitments may hold true uh, if, if kids aren't able to get out on the road and, and take trips. I, I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. I, I feel like if there will be a flip in this cycle or a monumental flip, it will be well-earned, right? Given the fact that we don't know if, if visits will be permissible, if in-person meetings will happen. Uh, obviously, the recruiting dead period has been extended to the end of this month, and, and we're expecting it to continue to be extended given the fact that there, there's just so much there logistically when it comes to travel and, and being able to uh, you know, make sure that whoever is traveling into a campus is – is is his healthy and and won't be around the team or won't be around the 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 coaches i mean there's just a lot of moving parts there that i think from a recruiting standpoint will affect the ability for some of these coaches to make their push that they usually make in a traditional cycle steve there was also another big time commitment that happened and this one closer to to your neck of the woods Notre Dame picked up four-star offensive lineman Rocco Spindler. You saw it live on CBS HQ. Spindler picked the Fighting Irish over Michigan. And, uh, you know, this was one that I feel like Notre Dame really needed to have. Yeah, it was a, Notre Dame needed to hit big on the offensive line in, in this 2021 recruiting cycle. When you look at what Notre Dame's running out there this fall, Blair, uh, they have five offensive linemen that look like they're NFL-bound. Uh, ultimately, Liam Eichenberg, Aaron Banks, Jared Patterson, who's from out in California. Aaron Banks is too. Uh, and, and then uh, uh, Robert Hainsey and uh, Tommy Kramer. Uh, those guys are going to be gone uh, over the next two seasons. And, and, and the trademark of Notre Dame's program uh, under Brian Kelly, when, when they've had their best teams, has been terrific offensive line play. Uh, and they've obviously produced the likes of uh, pro bowlers, Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, and, and Ronnie Stanley um, uh, in this great run that they've had. And, and uh, for them to continue to be that program, that's going to be one that's uh, in the hunt for the college football playoff and beyond. I think that they have to be good up front on the offensive line. And Notre Dame took two good ones last year, Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody, but they only took two offensive linemen last year. And so they really needed a big class. Uh, on the offensive line. They have four committed now. Rocco Spindler joins Blake Fisher as the two blue chippers. Blake Fisher is from Indianapolis, where I live. And then Rocco Spindler, obviously from Michigan. And then they have Joe Alt, a high upside uh, uh, prospect from the state of Minnesota, whose dad uh, was a first-round draft pick out of Iowa and played 12 seasons uh, in the NFL. Uh, they have him committed. And then they have Pat Coogan from 
the south side of Chicago, Chicago Marist uh, in, in the fold. That's a really good offensive line class, one of the best offensive line halls uh, in, in the country uh, this year. And, and Rocco Spindler himself, he's one of the more college-ready uh, offensive linemen in this class. He's six foot four and a half, 315 pounds. Blair, there probably isn't a high school player that's played more varsity snaps than him. He's been a two-way varsity starter uh, his entire career on the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, one of the traits that he takes a lot of pride in is his stamina. He's got a lot of toughness. He's got good feet. This is a young man who's got a family farm where he's throwing around 100-pound bags of corn, like they're little bitty bags of popcorn uh, for workouts. Uh, but he's just a tenacious kid. He says when he plays, he, he wants the opponent to feel his pads. And, and, and for Notre Dame, uh, the, the bridge offensive lineman in between the current group, you have Andrew Kristoffic, Josh Lugg, and Zeke Carell, guys like that that have bright futures. But then that 2020 group, the 2020 duo uh, of Baker and Carmody and the Mies Four coming in, uh, th those guys are going to maintain the standard, in my opinion, at Notre Dame of, of really good offensive line play. So Rocco Spindler, a four-star offensive guard, picks Notre Dame and and the Fighting Irish weren't done uh actually Spindler was the maybe the cherry on top they also got Prince Colley he's a four-star outside linebacker from Jonesboro Tennessee uh, over the weekend what do you know about Colley what do you like about him and, and what do you think it means for Notre Dame because when I think of that program they they do a lot of their hard work during the offseason, and then they do a lot of really good work early in the season before the weather turns in Indianapolis, uh, in that area, to, to then uh, you know get a lot of the recruits to go in and, and take a visit. I feel like Notre Dame has been able to make some, some strides here with these two. Yeah, Notre Dame's a place that I think any school obviously wants to get a, a prospect on campus, and that helps their chances, but... Notre Dame's like that is one of their biggest sells is is this place for you? It's a smaller campus, um, and, and uh, but do you feel the, the the vibe at Notre Dame? Is it the vibe for you with the Grotto and the Golden Dome and the Touchdown Jesus and and all of that? Those are the the pageantry of the campus and and all of that is is a huge selling point for them and for them not to get kids to campus. I think Notre Dame was one of the schools hurt most. Uh, by the pandemic for, uh, from a recruiting standpoint. But you wouldn't know it by looking at the class. Blair, it's number 12 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. And Prince Colley was one of their top overall targets, a four-star linebacker out of Tennessee. They beat Georgia. They beat Oklahoma. They beat LSU uh, uh, for this for this blue-chip second-level defender who had over 1,000 yards receiving last year. Another two-way guy, just an excellent high school football player uh, that can run and, and, and hit and uh, uh, the short area twitch, the speed, he, he can rush the passer, uh, just the burst body control strength at the point of attack. He checks all the boxes. Blair, I think this kid's going to lead Notre Dame in tackles at least one season, but probably two seasons. Talked to one source that, that said that um, Prince Kali's a little more polished of a prospect than Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, who's going to have uh, who's expected to have a, a really good season for, for Notre Dame this fall uh, on their defense. So this, the, the pickup of Prince Colley is as big a pickup as Notre Dame is going to have this cycle for who they beat, uh, how good a prospect he is, and, and the potential he brings to their program. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We'll be right back with more from Steve Wilfong. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, my name is Blair Angulo, joined by the Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports, Steve Wolfong. So we talked a little Florida, getting Jason Marshall, the five-star cornerback from Miami Palmetto. We talked Notre Dame getting some... Uh, commitments, a couple of big ones uh, over the weekend to continue their rise in, in the recruiting rankings. And now we're going to talk about another five-star prospect, Nolan Rucci. And uh, he, he's a, a lineman who took a visit, an unofficial one, obviously one without the, the ability to go meet with coaches and, and, and interact with players. Um, but my biggest question is, Steve, how many bags of corn can he toss around? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if he's as strong as Rocco Spindler, <laughs> now, uh, but you're talking about a kid who's six foot eight, two hundred ninety-five pounds, and looks lean. Uh, he's going to be a monster. Uh, that's why he's a five-star prospect. His dad played in the NFL. Both, uh, you know, Rocco Spindler's dad played in the NFL uh, for I think twelve nine. I don't know. It all runs together. A lot of dads played in the league, but. Uh, uh, um, Rucci's dad played in the NFL for quite a while out of Penn State and, and played in the Super Bowl for the Patriots uh, when Drew, Drew Bledsoe was under center and, and all those guys. Uh, but uh, his mom played field hockey at Penn State as well, so comes uh, from, from good stock. And uh, they have a lot of family friends around Happy Valley, and that's why they were in the area. It was kind of a last-minute trip, but went up to spend some time with uh, some of his mom's um, teammates and, and their family. And while in town, they, they ate on campus and walked around and um, just was able to get a feel for the environment. Uh, you know, he's been there so many times, but just you and I know when you step on these college campuses, they all have their own identity and, and, and feel to them. And, and so um, who knows what Rucci's takeaway, uh, what it does to his heart or his stomach or, or head when he walks around on Penn State, but he, Penn State's campus where he's been so many times and obviously grew up rooting for Penn State. Um, I still have my crystal ball in Wisconsin um, where his older brother Hayden plays. Uh, no, talking to several sources, I haven't gotten any reason to change that yet. Um, I'll continue to dig on it. So I, I still like Wisconsin uh, uh, for Nolan Rucci right now, but, but Penn State's pushing as hard as they can for a prospect. Phil Trotwine, the offensive line coach, uh, Nolan Rucci pointed out not only the relationship that he has with Coach Trotwine, the new offensive line coach, uh, but the the way Coach Trotwine's also connected with his parents is big. Uh, Penn State's got a new offensive coordinator, Kirk Soraka. Uh, one of the big things for for Nolan Rucci, the the only unknown that he really had for Penn State that he was hoping that he was going to get a chance to 
evaluate this spring was how does Coach Soraka and Coach Trotwine coach? How are they around their guys? Um, he, you know, he was going to try and go up for a practice and experience all that, and didn't get didn't get a chance to do so through Zoom and stuff. He's he's been able to get a feel for their personalities and and, and likes them. Uh, he obviously has a great feel uh, for Wisconsin. Um, and, and, and with his brother there, uh, when they took his older brother uh, back to school uh, a couple months ago, he was able to spend time in Madison and, and walk around there and hang out and probably just be in the family of the team. Now, I'm just speculating here, but probably got a more intimate look at Wisconsin again because he's there with the family. They're dropping off uh, than at Penn State where he wasn't, wasn't able to have any contact uh, with, with, with anybody as a little brother of a, a Wisconsin player. I would imagine there was probably some contact, but that's just me guessing. Uh, but the relationship with Joe Rudolph and, and Paul Christ, I think he really feels he fits in with those guys uh, at Wisconsin. Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame, Stanford particularly. A lot of those schools are, are still trying to chop wood on Nolan Rucci. Uh, but uh, I still think Wisconsin, uh, and, and then if not Wisconsin, I, I mean, I would like Penn State. And, hey, I don't know when you're gonna, when this podcast will drop, but maybe a source in between now and then tells me Penn State uh, has regained the lead uh, from the weekend. I haven't been able to do the true deep dive on how the, the visit went. But still like Wisconsin there and, and uh, would be a big pickup uh, for the Badgers uh, at a position that they're certainly trademarked uh, for. And they have the number 17 class in the country. So uh, number three in the Big Ten and Rucci would be another nice addition. Yeah, well, this podcast drops really quick. Shout out to our producer Tanny. He he turns them around, Steve. Uh, you you get these uh, right after we're done recording, and they get published. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, uh, and and rate us and review us and give us a five star review with your question. Uh, if you have a question for Steve Wolfong, anything that we can use on our mailbag uh, episode coming up, make sure to leave a five star Apple Podcast review with your question. Uh, speaking of Nolan Rucci, Steve, the, you know, the interesting thing for me when it comes to this is is him going out and obviously having family connections and having maybe a, a, a guide or a tour or someone that's very close to the campus that understands what he needs to see. But this is something that is happening all across the country that recruits are now having to go to colleges without really any maybe interaction with coaches, interaction with other players. That's obviously all off the table. Um, but I think early on in, in the cycle, we saw some coaches FaceTime recruits, video chat with them while they were on campus or, you know, kind of making sure that they were going out to the correct places, going out to the facility, going out to the stadium, the student center. Now they're getting uh, now they're getting kind of uh, itineraries, right, and places to hit. How prevalent and, and how effective do you think this could be? And are there any schools that you feel maybe, you know, could benefit from something like this? Sure, and I think I rudely interrupted. I was trying to say they also, I know, leaving the stadium unlocked so prospects and their families can get in there and, and take pictures. Yeah, you know, that, that's big. The programs that are the well-oiled machines that just have every detail, you know, um, marked. You can still put together a visit for a prospect coming in and not and 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 make it worth their while to come out there and, and get a feel for it. Now they're not going to get the interaction with the guys in the locker room, which is 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 big for a lot of programs um, where their players are their best recruiters because they're really loving their experience. Now there are some schools you and I both know where the players aren't loving their experience, uh, 
Um, but um, the, the, the schools that are most organized, which are typically the schools that are near the top of our recruiting rankings, are, are you know, in Ohio State and, and, and places like that, um, are going to put together, you know, have, have a good plan in place for when, when prospects come to campus that, that they're not technically allowed to host. And I just threw out Ohio State as an example of a program that's incredibly organized in, in, in everything they do. But, like, take, let's go back to Florida. Donovan McMillan uh, from Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, a top 247 safety, he, he went out on the road and self-toured Texas A&M and self-toured Florida and, and self toward Virginia Tech and returned to Virginia Tech. He'd been there before. And I really think the visit to Florida had a lot to do with him being a Gator. I think he just loved his time in Gainesville and you know, was able to see a lot of things and, and, and got some good insight from, from Coach English and the staff on what to do uh, while, while on the visit. And, and, and it hit big. And you know, the number 144 player overall in our rankings uh, um, is in the fold for Florida. And they have a really good DB class right now and, and looking to add to it today with Corey Collier. Yeah. I mean, Texas even had a commitment as well, right? With Gunnar Helm, the tight end out of Colorado, taking a, a self-guided visit to Austin right before he made his announcement. And, and the Longhorns were the last offer on, on the table that came in. I mean, he had close to two dozen scholarship offers. Texas was the last one. He took one last minute trip and he ended up committing to Longhorn. So we've seen it being an effective tool for some of these staffs that are able to use it properly. Like, like you mentioned, the ones that are well, well oiled machines, Steve, before we let you go, last thing we wanted to discuss with you was the QB collective quarterback event uh, down in Indianapolis that you went out to see uh, recently. It was probably one of the bigger events that we've had in, in the recent landscape. Uh, obviously the offseason has been a little different than we're used to, but you got to see a lot of big time quarterbacks. And, um, you know, this was, I guess, maybe a replacement for some of the other events that we might have attended this offseason. What were your takeaways? What stood out to you out at the QB Collective? Well, I think the biggest takeaway for me was Drake May uh, having a bounce back performance from the Elite 11 finals. He was terrific uh, at the QB Collective event, Uh, um, accurate. Um, a smooth, high upside athlete with with a little rawness to him, uh, but can can make every throw, and and it's just an exciting get uh, for North Carolina. You want to talk about flipping your quarterback room? North Carolina's was in terrible shape when Mac Brown gets there. You go out and you get Sam Howell, who's one of the brightest young stars in college football, and then you go with Jacoby Criswell after him, a four star recruit who had a strong Elite Eleven last year. And now you're coming in with Drake May, who, in my opinion, is a potential uh, five-star, um, just a, a natural thrower uh, that can repeat things over and over and make it look effortless. Um, I, I thought he was terrific. Caleb Williams was there, the number one quarterback in the top two, four, seven. He, again, has the, the, the biggest toolbox uh, at the position. His arm is off the charts. His athleticism is off the charts. He's a terrific competitor. Uh, he had a good showing there. Garrett Nussmeyer committed to LSU. Uh, I, I love the juice that he brought to that event um, and, and energy um, uh, has, has more arm talent than I thought uh, moves better than I thought. This is my second time seeing him. I hadn't seen him since the uh, all America combine uh, going into his junior year. And he had a really good junior year through for over 4,000 yards um, watched uh, the elite 11, um, but thought, but thought that he was better at QB collective 
uh, as well. And, and, and he's a guy that they they were really excited about. So those were the three guys that stood out to me. Carlos Del Rio committed to Florida. He was there. Uh, he he has a lot of raw traits to him. Uh, he, I mean, he he's got to be one of the strongest quarterbacks in this class. Uh, a, a big arm, uh, athletic. Uh, and I kind of like Jake Garcia uh, at, at that event, Blair, from, from your neck of the woods. Um, uh, he's another guy that um, had the tangibles, uh, a whippy arm, uh, can make all, make all the throws you're looking for, uh, can make things happen on the move. Uh, just a great personality, too, and, and a guy that those other quarterbacks kind of gravitated to in between reps is uh, just, a, just a kid that people like being around. It's going to be very interesting how that quarterback duel between him and Miller Moss unravels. If it ever has a chance to unravel, I know a lot of programs are still after Jay Garcia, including Miami, trying to make a big push. And he'll be closer to them now that he's going to be playing his senior season in the state of Georgia. Uh, But Jay Garcia versus Miller Moss is one of the more intriguing storylines of this 2021 cycle. Garcia came off the board to the Trojans very early. Miller Moss committed to USC this this past uh, this past spring. And and obviously, you know, it's always uh, an interesting dynamic when one quarterback's already a part of a class, the other one, you know, feels confident enough in his abilities to go in and join that other quarterback in the class. Uh, The other quarter, the first one being Jay Garcia doesn't back off his commitment uh, because he feels obviously confident enough. And and, and it's going to be interesting because they they aren't the same type of quarterback. I feel like. Garcia probably has a bit more juice in his arm. Um, I like Miller Moss's accuracy a bit more, um, but I think they both have some immense potential, and it's very clear why USC wanted to take both. Um, so the obviously it makes you think back to when Sam Darnold uh, committed to uh, USC after Ricky Town had been a long time commit, and Sam Sam Darnold's recruitment, as y'all know, didn't blow up till late. I mean, he was looking at Duke and Northwestern until he had a really good uh, camp season that year, which included throwing next to Ricky Town. Uh, I may be a little wrong on this, but he threw next to Ricky Town at what I believe was an Elite 11 event regional. And then he threw next to him at a seven-on-seven event. And again, this is all just my perception of it, but I was, you know, Oregon was then in the picture for Sam Darnold late. And, and, and so... I think it was one of those deals where I always perceived it well. He threw next to Ricky Town at a couple of events. Even though Ricky Town was the higher-ranked guy at the time, I think Sam was able to look at it and say, I can beat this guy out. Uh, and and I, so my perception was that played part in his decision. I don't feel as good about it this, this way uh, with the second guy like being the clear guy that's going to beat out the first guy in the class. Like you said, Miller Moss is – uh, very accurate, and there's no question he's got a high IQ. And, and so from a processing standpoint, learning the offense, uh, there's a lot to like uh, with those two traits uh, with Miller Moss. But I just think uh, as a passer and as an athlete, um, Jake Garcia's got a higher ceiling. Uh, hey, quarterback play, a lot of that's mental. Uh, but I, I think Garcia's got the aptitude certainly to, to – he checks that box as well. And so uh, I, I like Jake Garcia down the road ultimately to be USC starter if it is if it is a guy from this class. And obviously, uh, Coach Harrell, the company they're going to try and get the best guy they can get every year. Uh, they got two highly ranked guys in this class. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But 
um, I, I give the nod to, to Garcia uh, from my vantage point. Just watching Miller Moss's Elite 11 performance on video and then seeing Garcia in person, you've seen, them, you've seen both of them more live and you've seen them side by side. I'd be curious your thoughts. Yeah, I feel like in game, I feel like Miller Moss has a bit more feel general to him. I, I like his composure. I like his ability to fit throws in the in the different windows. I, I've seen Jay Garcia live as well. I, he's a bit more erratic, but there's no questioning his arm talent. I mean, he's he can throw with anyone in the country. I, I like his poise. I like his moxie. He, he he carries himself like you mentioned with his personality out of QB eleven uh, collective. He he really uh, carries himself like the quarterback and like the guy on the team. Uh, and when you go to USC, you have to see that. I mean, you saw that out of Keaton Slovis as a true freshman last year, uh, guiding his guys out of the tunnel. So uh, I, I do, I, I feel like there's different things to like about both of them. And that's why the battle that is looming is so intriguing to me. And it's going to be really fascinating to see it all unravel in the years to come. If we do get to see, like I mentioned, Miami is still making a push and a strong one at that at Jake Garcia, who's going to be playing his senior season in the state of Georgia. Steve, it's been a pleasure. Go ahead. You mentioned Keaton Slovis there. I was able to dig out a gem. I had written in May of 2018 after he committed. Um, I talked to a, a high school football coach in Arizona that said, I like him a lot. He's totally under the radar. His school practices at like 5 a.m. And I think a lot of coaches just didn't get out to see him. Has a great frame, really, really technically sound understands the game, accurate passer, gets through progressions quickly, and honestly plays on a team that's not very good. Not a lot of athletes around him, not a lot of pass protection, but he made them a playoff caliber team. So the combination of 5 a.m. practices uh, uh, maybe hurt Slovis on the trail, but for him to take a team that wasn't very good and take them to the playoffs uh, it, it, with the other things that that, that, that coach said, uh, and it's a coach you know well as, as well, um, the, the respect that Slovis had in state uh, was huge. So in hindsight, it was easy to see why he was so successful early on at USC. I went out there for a spring showcase uh, during his senior, heading into his senior year. And I went to Chandler's practice, which, you know, they're the perennial state champion. Always, you know, they have uh, half a dozen D1 prospects and, and a number of power five prospects in the underclassmen ranks. Uh, there were about a dozen college coaches at their practice and at the showcase where where Slovis was there there were only a handful maybe two or three so th that definitely adds up with uh, what you're saying um, so yeah it, it you know like like we mentioned these two other quarterbacks Jay Garcia and Miller Moss do have a chance to go in there and especially after what Keaton is able to do as a freshman um, you know I, I do feel like they both have different facets of their game that can translate well to the college level. So Steve, uh, it's been a pleasure. Like always, you can follow him on Twitter at S Wiltfong two, four, seven. He's the director of recruiting for 24 seven sports. Can't do, can't wait to do it again, Steve. Thanks Blair. Have a good one. Y'all five-star review for these guys. See yep. Ya. Yep. So that's Steve Wilfong. Leave a five-star review with your Apple podcast. Uh, review you could either rate us or, or uh, subscribe uh, and then leave your question we'll have a mailbag episode coming soon with guys like Steve Wilfong Brian Doan uh, you know Andrew Ivins all those guys to answer all your recruiting question needs thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 sports football recruiting podcast